isn't that a good thing? That even when it's going on in our life, when something's going on in our life, that, that the Bible says, Thou art good, thou doest good, you do good. So I can recognize that whatever God's up to is for my good. And so even right now where you may be, find yourself at a place in your life that you're, you're trying to make sense of it all, and, and how, can, how can I get through this realizing that God, there's a good God, and he's, he's working to do something good within your life if you would allow him. I tell you, that brings so much comfort to me. And, um, and I, I pray that you just grab on to God's truth. And that's what we, we stand on at Rayford Road Church. Church is, is the truth of God. That's why we ask you to take your Bibles and have your Bibles with you to, to read your Bibles because, because the Bible says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So if you have your Bibles, you look into your Bible, you understand that you are reading truth. And folks, that's a good thing in, in a world that, that is so discombobulated, in a world that many do not even believe that there's absolute truth. How can you, how can you put any stake in the ground when you, don't, when you never know that's truth? So um, just, a little, just a little commercial there for the Word of God, but I, I challenge you to take the Word, apply it in your heart, um, the, the psalmist also said, your word I've hidden in my heart, why that I might not sin against you. I challenge you to do that. And seeing what you're supposed to do when I do that is you need to look right over here and you need to applaud, you know? Man! Matter of fact, I may have Pastor Nathaniel to come up here and stand today and every time I hit a point, then, then let him point to applaud, you know? Uh, that, that's part of our props for tomorrow and we're going to have a good time with that. If you have your Bibles, turn to John, the fifth chapter. We're going to continue on through a series that we've been working through um, where, where Jesus Christ had made a statement that the fields are already white unto harvest. And basically saying that we don't need to wait until next week or in four months to go out and to, 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 to share the, the glorious news of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says the fields are already wide in the harvest. And I think what's so interesting about that when he says the fields, if um, being in the farming community, you realize there's all different types of fields. You know, there, there's, 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 there's hay fields, there's wheat fields, there's cotton fields, there's all types of fields. And we have to recognize that also, that when Jesus said the fields, he said that in the plural. The fields are ripe, are already ripe or white in the harvest. And I think what we need to do is just open our eyes and begin to look to see that that, that, that God has already been at work. That's why he would also say, pray ye the Lord of the harvest to bring forth labors into the harvest. That's what he's called you and me to do. Do you remember when Jesus Christ, if you're familiar with the word, when he was walking by the Sea of Galilee and there was Peter and his brother Andrew and they were fish, fishing and, and the call that Christ put upon them li- their lives is this, come and I'll make you fishers of men. You see, they understood the idea of fishing. They understood that they were, you know, they were catching fish from the lake. And he said, I want you to be catchers of men for the glory of God. He went on down the, 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 the lake and the Sea of Galilee and saw John and James and said the very same thing to them. But folks, he's still speaking to you today. Hey, I want you to make you fishers of men. I, I want you to make, make you harvesters of men. And that's exciting to me that God would allow us to be a part of his plan. That, that his plan is for those who are redeemed to be able to just go and, and tell the story of, listen, I was blind, but now I see. And maybe today, that there's some of you today that, 
that God has never opened your eyes, I pray today that he'll open your eyes to see him as he's never, you've never seen him before. We studied over the last few weeks how Jesus Christ met a, a very prominent man, a very important man, a very religious man. But, but see, even in the fields of, um, of religion, and even in the fields of where it looks like people have it all together, they still need Jesus. And Jesus said, except, you know, Nicodemus, except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And so even today, if you're sitting here today and you might, you know, if I ask you the question, you know, where's your relationship with Christ? And you might say, well, you know, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm very prominent within my, my, my community. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Sunday school teacher. Doesn't matter. Have you been born again? But then Jesus also went on the very far end of that, a, a woman in a, in a, a place that, that the Jews were very prejudiced against, a place called Samaria. He'd met a woman there that her life was a mess. An absolute mess. Even in, in, in a, 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 an area that was pretty immoral, she, she was kind of the immoral of the immoral. But you know what? Jesus just walked up to her. He says, I want to give you living water. So you see these far two spectrums where Jesus says the fields are wide and the harvest. We want, to, we want to just move it on into chapter 5. We want to look at an, another area today. And it's, it's, it's a little bit different. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a little bit thing that, um, different than what he had just spoken about. But I, I just want you to grab hold of it because I think that I'm going to be trying to really address a couple of different groups today. The title of our message is, Do You Want to Be Made Well? Isn't that kind of a funny question? Who doesn't want to be made well? Who wants to stay sick? Who wants to stay miserable? Well, that's a question we all have to ask ourselves. Let's all stand together as we read the Word of God in, in honor of, of God's Word, recognizing its truth. I'm going to start in, in uh, verse 1 of chapter 5, and we'll work ourselves on down. And the Bible says, after, after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus came up to Jerusalem. I just want to stop and make a point here that Jesus being a Jew... He wanted to abide by what God asked him to do. And, the, and the, for the Jewish men, there was feasts throughout the year that God says, when these feasts occur, everything that you're doing, you just drop it and you come to Jerusalem. Jesus was a Jewish man. He was obedient to God, and so therefore he came to Jerusalem. I think that should also apply to us even in this day and age when the Bible says, not forsake the assembling of yourselves as a manner of some is. And he says, and so much more as this day is approaching. It's important for us to come together like we're, we're coming together right now. Folks, Folks, coming and worshiping together is important, and Christ expects us to do that. And I want to thank God, and you may want to just give yourself a hand for coming out this morning. I'm, man, I know that everything goes wrong on Sunday mornings, but thank you for coming out. Jesus, there was a time that the Jewish people gathered together. Jesus was Jewish, and Jesus was there. And the Bible says, now there was at Jerusalem by the sheep market or sheep gate a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda's having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk or sick folk of blind, of halt, withered, waiting uh, for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at the certain season in the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in as was made whole whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Without be made whole. Do you want to be well? 
The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. While I'm coming another step down before me, Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cursed, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that hath been made whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is this who said unto thee, Take up your bed and walk? And he that was healed knew not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. But afterward Jesus found him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto you. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole, and therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on in this passage. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you'd take these words, that you'd bless them. Father, I just pray that your truth would, would settle upon our hearts. And what I, I pray today, Father, give us minds to understand, eyes to see, hearts to respond to you. Oh, Lord Jesus, we invite you into this place. Take control. Holy Spirit, just, just fill us with understanding. Convict us, oh, Lord, in those areas that we need to be convicted. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. When you study the life of Jesus Christ, one thing is very, very noticeable. Jesus Christ was very relational. And I think that's so cool, that knowing that, that Jesus Christ, the Word of God as we study, was the Son of God. He came from heaven, part of the triune God, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and, and, and God the earth. But when He came to this earth, He did not separate Himself from man. He engaged Himself with man. Why is that so? important. So, so many people have the idea that with God, that, that God is so separate that he can't be touched. But when Jesus Christ came, he walked among men. He didn't sit back and, and wait for others to come to them. He walked in the crowds. And we find that wherever went, Jesus went, he was engaging himself with others. There was, he was waiting when Nicodemus came that night, and even though Jesus was tired, he, he did not put Nicodemus away. He said, let's, let's sit and talk a while. We studied last week that when Jesus was going up to, to Galilee, he needed to go through Samaria, and he said, and he engaged himself with a woman that, that just had a terrible reputation. But that didn't matter to Jesus Christ. We find that, that Jesus Christ, when, when one time he, he was walking in, in a city called Nain and, and there was a funeral, you know, he didn't sit back and wonder what's going on. He, he, he got right into that funeral and busted it up as he raised that young man from the dead. That Jesus Christ was constantly working and moving amongst people. I think about Jesus Christ when he was walking through Jericho and the crowds were pet. Um, you know, we're, we're pressing on him, and, and, um, and there even he looked, and there was a man up in the tree. It was Zacchaeus. Hey, Nick, hey, Zacchaeus, why don't you come on down? I want to eat at your house today. Even in the crowds where they were pushing him, and one touched him, and Jesus was so sensitive to the needs of people, he knew that somebody had reached out and touched his robe, and, and there he healed a woman of her infirmity. I say all this to, to let you try to give you an idea of the Jesus whom we serve. 
He's not so far away that he cannot touch. As a matter of fact, he wants to, he wants to engage into your life, and he wants to touch your life if you would only allow him. I thank God for Jesus Christ touching my life. I thank God for the times that I seemed to be running the hardest from God. He was chasing me just as hard as he could chase me. I thank God that, that although I wanted to let go of him, he never let go of me. Folks, that's the Jesus Christ whom we serve. I can't ever get over the fact that Jesus Christ, the Bible says, well, I was yet a sinner. Well, I didn't want anything to do with Jesus Christ, that God loved me so much that Jesus Christ died for me. That's one thing to think about. I died for a friend. But, but folks, I, 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 there's times that, that in my heart I wanted to be an enemy of God, but he still died for me. He died for you. And you need to understand that. We serve an engaging God. We serve in a relational God who wants a relationship with you and me. And he's willing to go where he needs to, to minister to you. Here we find where Jesus Christ went to Jerusalem and I want us to first look at some, just some observations as I read this passage. The, and, and, and the Bible teaches us in, in verse 2, he says, there was a Jerusalem by the sheep market, or probably a better translation, the sheep gate. That was up in the northern part of Jerusalem, which is called in Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk or sick folk, of blind, of halt, and of her withered. You know, when, when I think about that, the great multitude of the multitude of these impotent people, the world is full of hurting people. Jesus had come to Jerusalem, and there, I think it's interesting that he found himself right in the midst of where people were hurting. He didn't go around it. He, he went right through where this group of people, a very large group, was gathered around this pool. But you know what? As you stop and think about it, even, even today, no matter what town, no matter what village you go into, no matter what large city you can, you can find hurting people. It's just amazing to me that wherever you go, unless you are completely blinded or you don't want to see them, there are hurting people. Folks, there's hurting people right here in this church this morning. There's some of you that came this morning and your lives has, has just had a train wreck. It's been blown apart. Maybe no one else knows about it. But you're hurting this morning. Let me tell you, Jesus come for you. But no, again, no matter where, you know, you can, you can, you can go to the, you can go and, as, as I was yesterday down at St. Vincent's Hospital, I mean, you couldn't even find a parking lot hurting people. There's people that are hurting physically. There's people who are hurting emotionally. There's people who are hurting relationally. There's, there's people that their lives are just a mess. Every where you go. There, there's not a place you can go on this, in this world that we live in, no matter how far back in a thicket may, may, it may be, there's hurting people. It's always interesting to me as Jesus finds himself right in the midst of those people. Isn't that good? And that's the first thing we want to establish is, is, is all around us. People's lives are just torn up. I think there's another very interesting note here as we follow on down, if you'd read this. and uh, I just want to try to do a little bit of where, where, where it says, In these lay a great multitude of impotent folks of blind, of halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then was first... Um, 
was first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole whatsoever disease he had. I, I just want to first of all say that, that within this particular passage, there's, there, there's something that's pretty unusual about this. And, and maybe if you're looking at some of your translations or reading, you don't well, where's verse 4? Well, when, when the King James was, was written back in 1611, there was only a very, very few transcripts that were used. Later, after archaeology, they have thousands of manuscripts. They didn't find this in the earliest transcript. So some of your translators might have decided to, to not put that in because they didn't find it in the um, earliest transcript. Does it mean it's not real? No. Um, we're just saying that, that there, there was a decision to make because th- what had happened is maybe there was a scribe trying to explain what, what these people were doing here. But that's besides the point today. What the point is, is when Jesus walked through this pool, there was a great group of people thinking something happened in that pool. And so they, they'd gathered from all over Jerusalem, maybe all over Israel, maybe some from Samaria had gathered there because they had heard stories that something happens within this pool, and if you can be the first one when that water bubbles up, then if you get in there, you can be healed. Was that really happening, or was that just in the mind? It doesn't matter. All I know is that, that people thought something was happening there. And you know what that tells me? That hurting people will go wherever they, need, they think they can find help. Wherever they think they can find help, they're going to show up there. And this is what had happened. There was this pool there that, that in the northern part of the city, and, and there was the thoughts if the water was troubled, then the first person to be put in the pool, whatever disease you'd have, you'd be healed. And everybody think, came thinking, maybe that can be me. You know one thing about hurting people? Hurting people are desperate people. You'll do everything when you get de- anything when you get desperate. I think about someone that wanted to send me new, and some of you knew that, that they had a child that was just terribly ill. And I remember them sharing with Wanda Sue that they traveled all over the southeast to, to, to fake healers or people that they thought that maybe if I could get my child there, maybe, maybe my child could be healed. Folks, I would do the same thing if that was my child, whatever it takes. Matter of fact, years ago, I, we heard the testimony, and it wasn't really a testimony, it was just a, it was an interview of Ronnie Millsap. Your younger people might not know, but us older people know who Ron, Ronnie Millsap was. Man, he was a crooner, boy. He was a, he was a country crooner that could play the piano, but he was blind. And I remember Ronnie Millsap, the reason that he said that he turned away from the faith is because when he was a child, that his grandparents took him all over the place, every faith healer he could find, and just knowing that, that, that if he, they could get him there, that he could find a sight. And, and then when he didn't find a sight, it was, he was blamed for not having enough faith. And Ronnie Millsap said, that kind of cooled me to the God thing. But see, that's what's happening here, folks. Hurting people are going to go wherever they think they can find help. And Jesus understood that. That's why these porches was filled up with a great multitude of people because they had been sick, they had been hurting, and they were just hoping by hope that maybe if I can get into that water, I can be healed too. And that's important to understand. Hurting people are desperate people, and they're just looking, looking for that glimmer of hope. Maybe you're here today and you're hurting, and and maybe today you even thought, well, maybe if I do this church thing, maybe if I come to church today, I, 
I can find some hope. I pray today this will be the place that you can find that hope. Because as we, we go down, down, we want to read this, this, this passage. The verses 5 and 6, I think it's very, very interesting when the Bible says, and a certain man was there which had an infirmity for 30 and 8 years. 38 years he'd been suffering. Does it say what it was? And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been a long time in that case, Jesus didn't know this man. Matter of fact, Jesus wasn't even 38 years old. But the Bible says Jesus knew what was going on in this life. You know, one of the great comforts of me as being a child of God or a believer in Jesus Christ is this, that Jesus knows the hurt of every person. I, the way the Scripture reads it, Jesus, from, a, from a, a relational standpoint, had no idea who this man was from a personal standpoint. From a, from a just being a man. He was just another face in a big crowd. But on the other side of it, our Jesus was also God. And the Bible says Jesus knew exactly how long that man had been ill. Jesus knew exactly what was going on in that man's life. Folks, how good is that? So many times through our hurts and through our pains and through our sorrows and through infirmities, we think that no one understands what's going on in my life. And probably no one else does know what's going on in your life in the person. I, I remember in seminary, a professor sitting with us and, and teaching us through the book of Job and saying, don't you ever go into a hospital and look at somebody and tell them you know how they feel. He says, you don't know how they feel. You've never been in their shoes. You've never walked exactly the path. You don't know how they feel. Now, you, you may have an idea about some of the things that they're dealing with, but, but you don't know how they feel. He said, that's such a presumptuous thought. But see, that's what separates me and Jesus. Jesus does know how you feel. I think that's what's so cool. I go to Curly and share my burdens with Curly, and Curly can pray for me, but Curly really don't understand every issue that's going on in my life. Jesus Christ does. doesn't mean that I don't go to brothers and sisters and share with them and ask for their prayers. But, folks, I can tell you, Curly can't help me like Jesus can help me. And, and, I'm, not, and, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not and I'm not beating on Curly because I can say that to any of us. See, I can't put my faith in the man. I have to put my faith in the God-man, Jesus Christ, because he knows what's going on. As a matter of fact, the Bible speaks about that of Jesus Christ in Isaiah, the 50, um, in the 53rd chapter, verse 4, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and he's carried our sorrows, and yet we did esteem him strict and smitten of God and afflicted. Folks, he's carried, he came to carry our sorrows. He came to carry our afflictions. As a matter of fact, that's what separates Jesus Christ from, from all the other high priests that, that served in the Jewish nation. He's the great high priest, as, he, as the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was on all points tempted as we are, yet without sin, lest therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. See, I can come boldly to the throne of grace. I can come boldly to Jesus Christ in my hurt, and I'm knowing that he knows what I'm feeling. He's not presumptuous. The Bible says in every way he was tempted, he was afflicted just like you and me. Can you imagine that, a, a, a man that, that understands the hurt of every person? That was our Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what you're going through today, Jesus understands your hurts. 
You've been rejected, he was rejected. You've been scorned, he's been scorned. Have you had your heart broken? He's had his heart broken. He's been betrayed by his very best friends. In every way, he was tempted like you and me. And what a peace of knowing that Jesus knows the hurt of every person. And I don't know about you, but I can say amen to that. Man, that's so good, God. Thank you, Jesus. But boy, this, this, is the, this next thought is, is certainly something you need to stop and, and think about. In verse 6, it says that when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he, speaking of Jesus, said to him, Would thou be made whole? Do you want to be well? Now, let's be honest with you. That's a crazy question you'd ask somebody that's hurting, isn't it? Do you want to be made well? That that, that guy probably said, hello, I've been here for 38 years. You know I want to be well. Why did Jesus ask such a question? Maybe Jesus Christ was just wanting to get his attention. Maybe this this guy was focused on the pool and and, and waiting for the water to start, and he, he wasn't even paying attention. Maybe Jesus Christ was wanting to just get his attention, and, 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 and that probably got his attention. And Jesus Christ just wanted to redirect his thoughts. I think there's a deeper thought here. I think Jesus Christ might have been exploring his heart. He wanted to really know whether this guy wanted to get healed by his infirmity or not. You might say, Pastor, what do I mean by that? Let me say, there's a lot of hurt in the people that becomes... Their hurt becomes their identity. And they appreciate all the sympathy they get from people, and, and, and they love their pity parties. And, and if you really, really get down to it, they may say they want to be healed, but they really don't want to be healed. They don't want that infirmity taken away from them because that's become who they are. Folks, it's a dangerous thing when you begin to be characterized and your identity becomes with, with, with the hurt or the sin that you're in. The problem is, is because when we find our identity and our hurt, when that hurt's taken away, who are we anymore? And so that's a question that every hurting person has to ask himself, do I really want to be made well? See, I, I, I've seen, I, folks, I have seen this time and time again. I've seen wives come and pray and pray and pray and pray for their husband to get saved. And guess what? Their husband got saved and their wife didn't like their saved husband. Because she loves sitting around in prayer meetings telling everybody about how terrible her husband was. But once her husband got saved, she didn't know what to do with him. As a matter of fact, she could go out and because, because her husband had been wasting all their money, it didn't bother her to go waste her money because um, she would just say, well, you know, you, you, you laid up being drinking and, and did your thing. I'm going to go do my thing. But guess what? When he got sober, she didn't have her excuse anymore. Folks, I have happened, I've seen this happen many times. So again, a lot of people come to the altars and weep and well, and oh God, heal me. But, but in all reality, when it gets right down to the nitty-gritty, they don't want to be healed. They love and they found their identity within their hurt. What would some people even talk about if they didn't talk about their pains and all their problems? See, somebody, some people would have to redefine, they'd have to, they'd have to develop a whole new conversation piece when they didn't, weren't talking about themselves. 
And so I ask you today, you may be hurting, but do you really want to be made well? Man, I tell you, that's the question that just cuts. That, that question just cuts me. God, do I really want you to do a work in my life? Hmm. That's got everybody quiet, man. I think something very interesting also in this passage, the Bible said to him in, in verse 7, it says, when Jesus asked him that question, this impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. I think one thing Jesus Christ brought out, you know, is this, is most people look for the wrong source for their healing. This guy was looking for man to help him out, and there he had the Son of Man, the Son of God, standing right there before him. He had Jehovah Rapha standing right before him, and he's looking for some man and blaming, there's, there, there's no one that's going to take me down, where Jesus Christ says, I can touch you right now and make you whole. So many times we look to other things for our healing. We, we try everything else before we try Jesus. You know, we, we, we try to get the counsel of man, and counsel of man is good. We try to read the, the latest pop psychology book. We even try to do the church thing. You know, if I come to church, certainly something's going to happen. Folks, thank God for godly counselors. Thanks God for, for, for well-written books. Thank God for the church. But nothing can heal you other than Jesus Christ. And many times we waste our time looking in the wrong place to be healed. This man, this guy says, I, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. Yeah, he was looking for that water to heal him. Only Jesus Christ could heal him. And that's why I ask you today, dear friend, and I challenge you today, are you hurting? You look to Jesus Christ. You look to Jesus Christ. He's the one that's carried your sorrows. He's the one that understands your infirmities. Wow. The next thing we find in verses 8 is where Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy wit, bed, and walk. Jesus gave him a command right there. I think it's interesting that Jesus Christ didn't try to explain who he was. He didn't tell him, I'm the son of man. He didn't say, I'm, I'm Jehovah Rapha that's come in the flesh. Jesus just said, hey, you just take up your bed and walk. And the very next verse says, um, he, he said these words, and immediately the man was made whole, and he took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. I think this verse is, is, is in verse 8 where it says immediately he was made whole, but there was something that happened at the very same time. And the Bible says, and he took up his bed and walked and on the same day with the Sabbath. But let me explain to you, and you've heard me say this many, 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 many times. I, I, I think it's just a, something you have to nail down within your life is obedience is the key to blessings. Obedience is the key to blessing. Jesus gave him a command. And was that man going to respond to that command or not? See, we like to work out deals with God. We like to, we like to in our hurt and our pain, we like to make bargains with God and say, God, I'm, 
you know, God, if you would heal me, then I'd start coming to church. God, if you would heal me, I'd give my tithe. God, if you'd heal me, I would work with those seventh grade boys. Folks, God is not in the bargain business. God basically says, if you would obey me, then you will see my blessings. Obedience always, always precedes the blessings. God is not, he, he doesn't have to get down on our level and make bargains with you and me. God's God. Because God knows that when we obey him, guess what? He is truth. And it's the truth that shall make you free. And so all he's saying is, you follow my truth and I'll set you free. And that always comes first. Man. Reading something and, and, and brought me to, to, to John 17 or 717 and, and a truth that I, I learned through even reading this article, this book, where, John, where, where Jesus says of John 717, if anyone wills to do his will, he shall know discerning the doctrine, whether it's from God or whether I speak on my own authority. See, not only should we uh, uh, obey God's will, but we, want, we should want to obey God's will because that is a sign that our hearts begin to change is when we want the things that God wants. Again, we don't bargain with God, okay, God, I'll do this because God knows the motive of our hearts. He knows that, that we're trying to manipulate Him. But until we get to the point where we want what God wants in our life, Matter of fact, Eddie preached out of Philippians this past week where he says that you know, God gives us not only the want to, but the how to. God puts that will within our heart. Because apart from a God moving in our heart, we don't want the things of God. And so I question you today, do you want the will of God in your life? Are you willing to obey God because that's what He wants? And are you willing to, to obey Him Believing that if you if you desire the things of God that God wants, then ultimately God's going to bless you. And you put that into His hands. You just you just trust Him enough that God, I'm going to follow you, whatever you want, and I want to take care. I want to let you take care of the healing in my life. See, sometimes that God might want to do a deeper healing than what we even realize we have. And so Jesus says. He's going to test this old boy. He says, okay, just take up your bed and walk. See, I think it's interesting the way in Scripture, and I, I, we see it in different, it says immediately he was made whole, but then he got up his bed and walked. But you know, it may be there are some people that God has worked in our life and we've never obeyed him. We've never even seen the blessing because our lack of obedience. But folks, obedience is the keys to God's blessing. I think this is very, very interesting that Jesus knew what was wrong with this guy. As a matter of fact, when he met this guy later in the crowd, he told him to sin no more unless you get into deeper sin. And, and Jesus might have knew that there was sin and some sin in this little boy's life, and that was causing his infirmity. And, and it, we're not saying that every infirmity is caused by sin, but sometimes, folks, a lot of our infirmity is caused by our own bad decisions. A lot of our heartache is because of our unforgiveness. A lot of our pain is because of our own selfish desires. And Jesus was just speaking to this man. You just need to lay those things down. Because if you don't, you're just getting worse shape than you already in. 
I read an article, again, I'm, I'm reading just an incredible book right now. It's called The Secret Thoughts of, a, of an Unlikely Convert. And I won't get you into all the lifestyle that this person was in, but it was pretty rugged, folks, in so many different ways. When God began to move upon this, this person's heart, and I, I challenge you to pick up this book. It, it has, it has in so many different layers out there, and you contact Brother Nathaniel and me, in so many different layers out there, and, and not just in, in, in lifestyles or, or what people go through, but also just in the understanding of Scripture. But this person says, I learned that we must obey in faith before we feel better or different. At this time, though, obeying the faith to me like, was like throwing myself off of a cliff. Faith, faith that endures is heroic, not sentimental. See, we like to talk about a mushy faith out there. A real faith is saying, God, if I have to walk off that cliff, I'll walk off that cliff if that's what you tell me to do. Because I'm going to trust that you're going to pick me up on wings of eagle and you're going to carry me through. And folks, when you begin to, when you begin to step out on real faith, that's not mushy faith. That's not easy faith. That's not easy, easy believism. That's meaning that, God, I'm willing to walk away from everything if that's what you ask me to do because I think you've got something greater for me out there. See, a lot of times we're not willing to give that up. We're not willing. We, we like to have that mushy faith that feels good to us, that's real sentimental, but we're not, we don't have the real faith, the faith that James says, the faith that saves you because we're not really willing to give up the past because that's where we have our identity. See, obedience is the key where I just say, God, whatever you want, that's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to trust you with the blessings. And then finally, I close out, and, and I, I, I just feel that this, we need to address this point because the Bible says, and it was the Sabbath. And then the Jews therefore said to him that was cured, it is the Sabbath day, it is not lawful for thee to carry that. But, you know, don't you get tired of people's piousness? People that are so religious. He answered them, he that, he that made me whole. The same said unto me, take up thy bed and walk. They asked him, what man is that which said unto thee, take up thy bed and walk? I think this is so interesting. Jesus had not even identified himself to this guy. You know what Jesus does? Jesus many times meets us in our physical needs and then addresses our, our, our spiritual needs. He didn't come to this man and say, hey, you're a sinner. You need, to, you need to get this out of your life. Jesus just said, take up your bed and walk. Jesus wanted to reveal his power before he revealed who he was. And it says... He said that he that was healed knew not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away. Kind of, kind of slipped out in the crowd, a multitude being in that place. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. Jesus didn't leave him there. He didn't leave him hanging. And he said to him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus, and that made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath today. It was Jesus Christ who said these words. He says, Sabbath was not made for man. I mean, man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was made for man to find rest, to find peace, to find wholeness. This guy, this guy found wholeness on the Sabbath day. Isn't that what the Sabbath day should be about? It's about where people find healing. But, folks, there's always going to be naysayers out there. There's always going to be people saying, you can't do it that way, or Jesus, and, and Jesus, you can't do it that way. Folks, Jesus... Is more worried about people than our little regulations that we make up. And Jesus was not intimidated a bit about that. 
The Bible says Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus came to Jerusalem that day. It was Jesus who had already said the fields are already wide in the harvest. Jesus walked right into that middle of that crowd of hurting people. Why he came to that man, I don't know. The Bible's silent about that. But he came to that man, and Jesus made him whole that day. And maybe today that Jesus is walking into your life. Maybe today that Jesus is walking up to you and all your hurt. Maybe no one else knows what's going on in your life, but folks, you can rest assured Jesus knows what's going on in your life. And maybe right now, Jesus in the person of the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart and, and, and saying, I want to make you well today. Are you willing to do? Are you willing to follow me? I'm going to challenge you today, no matter where you are, no matter what pain you're in, to take up your bed and walk. I'm asking you today to follow Jesus. I'm asking you today to place your trust in Jesus Christ. Don't place it on anything else. Place it on Jesus Christ. Don't place it on me. Don't place it on Pastor Nathaniel or Pastor Eddie or somebody else. These are good people. But folks, we're men too. You need to place your trust in Jesus Christ. And I challenge you today to take up your bed and walk. I also challenge you today to deal with that question. Jesus asked that man, do you really want to be made well? Or do you love your identity more than your wholeness? Man, that is a stimulating question. Church, I'm telling you today that we need to engage ourselves with hurting people. And we need to point them to Jesus Christ. Only Jesus came and died and took our sins and infirmities and nailed them to the cross. And the Bible says he left them there. We serve a great Savior. People need Jesus. Has the Holy Spirit spoken to your life today? Do you want to be made well today? Well, I challenge you today to take up your bed and walk. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. God, I just pray that through this word, that the Lord, that I just pray that God, that hearts would be delivered, lives would be changed. God, to, to know that there's a living Savior that walks in our midst. Not Jesus, I believe you're right in the midst today. You're just as real today, Lord, as any person sitting here. And I pray today that you're speaking to people, that you're addressing hearts, and maybe today the question that you're asking, whispering to people's heart, do you really want to be made well? Then you you just need to do what I tell you to do. God, I pray for the church today, that God, that you'd give us mercy, you'd give us compassion for our hurting people around us. Open our eyes so we can see, God, the hurts of people. God, I pray that you'd take this time, you'd bless it in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand.